Let's go. Welcome to Micromobility, a podcast exploring the disruptive potential of lightweight utility vehicles. Using the history of computing as a framework, we examine how these technologies will upend everything we thought we knew about the future of urban transport. The host of the show is Horace Deju, founder of Asimco.com, and I'm his co-host, Oliver Bruce. Hey there, folks. Oliver here this week. I have a very exciting interview with Felix and Enrico from Unu Scooters, talking about the Global Scooter Report, that scooter as in moped not scooter as in kick scooter, talking about the rise of these shared emopeds globally. I think it's a really interesting interview. They have done a great job summarizing where the space is at and why it's growing very quickly. But before we jump into that, I want to thank this week's sponsor for the episode, Twilio IoT. Shared micromobility is a deceptively hard business. If you keep losing your connections to those vehicles soon, you will not have a business. And that's where Twilio IoT comes in. They provide SIMs and a cellular connectivity platform to seamlessly connect your vehicles in 180 countries. Twilio helps companies like Lime, Skip, Spin, and Beam to cost-effectively scale faster, deploy further, and optimize their supply chain. Twilio is also the leader for SMS and phone number verification APIs to reduce fraud and improve user experience. So, are you an operator looking for a global cellular connectivity partner to scale with? Give Twilio a go. Twilio is offering free sims and test credit to micromobility podcast listeners for a limited time. Click the link in the podcast description for more. And with that, over to Felix and Enrico. And welcome back to Micromobility. We have with us today Enrico and Felix from UNU. How are you guys going today? Pretty well, thanks. We're pretty excited to talk to you since mobile sharing is uh, quite a big thing in the, in the scooter field. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where are you guys based? We're based in Berlin, Germany. Excellent. Did you manage to make it to the, the conference when it was coming through? Yes, it was pretty cool. So it was a big, big gathering, like all the relevant people were there. So yeah, we were pretty excited to be there and it was lots of good talks. How was it for you, Felix? I really enjoyed it. It was really nice to actually see the entire scene also from overseas coming over to Berlin. We had a lot of fun there. And one of the things that I noticed while I was in Berlin was that there was a lot of scooter sharing going on, moped sharing. Before we even get into this, I really we need to clear up this uh, nomenclature around scooters and mopeds and all this sort of stuff. Because we're going to talk today about your report that Uno has done, but you call it the scooter sharing report. And yet when I went in, into it, it was very clearly like, no, no, no. So do you want to take us through what Uno is? And then we can get into how you did the report. Yeah, no problem. I'll take over on that. UNU has actually been founded almost seven years ago. And back then, kind of looking at electric mobility and wondering of kind of how can we enter the space and what are the barriers at the time. And the barriers at the time really were, it was very expensive. There was missing charging infrastructure and the style was not always very good. So we at UNU actually decided to look into electric scooters and or as you in the US call them mopeds and see how we can bring those to Europe. And we were able to cut the price by going into the direct sales model so we don't have retailers. 
reduced thereby the price around 30% as we cut the retail margin. On the second hand, we were the first company that actually had portable batteries back then, thereby meaning that you could charge it just at any ordinary socket, thereby reducing the need for any charging infrastructure and kind of going into a retro style, thereby making the adoption for people a lot easier instead of just a very futuristic vehicle. However, we also knew back then that this was not going to be the end of mobility. And we started around four years ago developing a new type of scooter and or moped. And for us in Europe, it's it's always been scooters actually as a sit-down scooter or a Vespa-like scooter or a moped, as you call them. And it's always been like that. And that's why we also decided to keep the report as a scooter sharing report. And so Uno at the moment makes both direct-to-consumer sold scooters that are more mopeds that you sell. And I take it you sell them across Europe? We sell them in several markets in Europe. Yes. Not everywhere in Europe because you need to deliver the service infrastructure, logistics infrastructure, and so on and so forth. However, we then also decide to build a vehicle specifically for mobility services. Excellent. Exactly. And that's the new Uno scooter that we now bringing to the market. Yes, because I, w- I was reading through your your material in it. So you've got the solution right from end to end for someone who wants to come along and start up a, a moped sharing company. You offer not only the vehicle, but also as well the cloud services and the all the way up to like a scooter sharing app. So take me through take me through that transition that the company has made into the space. How, you sort of mentioned you were doing that a couple of years ago. How long has it taken? What what have been the challenges for you guys to be able to get there? And what is the progress that you've made so far? Yeah, one of the biggest aspects for us was really that we've always been approached by other companies that asked for us to go into scooter sharing. However, we've always decided this is a vehicle that's not made for scooter sharing, the one that we had before, or for moped sharing. It would be retrofitted and would not offer the customer experience that would really be desired. Instead, we decided with a new vehicle generation to really go into the market and listen to all the moped sharing companies that are out there in order to see how can we build a vehicle perfectly tailored to the market. We realized from a hardware perspective, okay, you need stuff like two helmets, two easily changeable batteries. You want the product to be easily maintained because if you have vandalism or anything surrounding that, you want to really be able to replace things easily. On the other hand, we also kept hearing that it's very difficult to have a hardware vehicle then retrofitted with a telematics and IoT, then build your cloud, then build your software on top of that, then an end customer app. And for a company that really as an operator wants to go to market quickly, it was very clear for us that we want to build everything integrated and making the customer experience for the end customer the best that is out there. Something that right now I haven't mentioned, however, that you have a built-in HMI screen with full color, with navigation, with everything surrounding it, being able to actually talk about geofencing, business areas, anything, if it's cold, icy, slippery, etc., etc. And that also meant that we had quite a few years to prepare ourselves for our entry into the mobility service market. And now we are entering and already approximately one, one and a half years ago, we started talking to Enrico, who's previously already been publishing a report on moped sharing. And we said, look, we really share the same vision here. We want to bring this as a sustainable alternative mode of transportation as a piece of the huge mobility as a service cake 
out there into the world. So why don't we take also the report to the next level and make it really accessible for a wide variety? And that's what we've been working on now for the past year. And I think you saw the result and I'm sure that we're going to get into more of that. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I just wanted to give the context of how you guys, you know, how Uno was the one who ended up publishing this report because it's, I think, I wasn't super familiar. Mopeds are not something that I've been paying a huge amount of attention on. Most of our most of our work until now has been on micromobility in the form of like electric bikes and electric scooters and the shared, and that shared space, especially around kick scooters. But look, the report has been going on for, for, for a little while then by the sounds of things, Enrico. How many reports have there been in the past or, and, and, um, to, to get to the stage. Sure. I mean, like the sector itself is pretty young, just to start with. Moped sharing, scooter sharing developed like in 20, like 2012, actually in San Francisco. So this was like the cradle, but then it didn't develop very fast, like until 2014, 15. And then at some point it started to tip a bit and like there was some fast development, some dynamics going in. So maybe around 2013, 14, so pretty early in the stage actually, Berlin was the third city with a scooter sharing system on, on a global level. So it was pretty interesting. And that was actually taking place like in my hometown and I could see like the impact on a city and like what it means in, a, in an integrated system on a holistic level. So it was pretty interesting actually. So I followed a bit and started researching, consulting. And in the consecutive years, I think 2017 and 18, the first two reports were published. It was a starter, but then on another level, we were also like shouting out some of the results we find, like stuff from the discussions with operators, with suppliers in the sector. And then it was really interesting to see also kick scooter sharing companies jumping in and enriching like, yeah, this entire scene. So by now we have this multimodal option in the city. You can choose from a variety of options in a city such as Berlin. And so many cities on a global level are pretty much like Berlin. You have a strong transit backbone, not so much in the US, but like in many cities in Europe, for example, but also in different parts of the world, you have the strong backbone. But then the question is still there, like what's happening with a private car? So how to transform a city to a non-car centric city and then shared mobility comes into place and brings in quite some options and mobile sharing is one of these options, which is just strengthening the, the alternative to the private car together also with a private bike. So it's a big choice of varieties and this is how it derived a bit, a couple of consultations, research projects, and it really took off two years ago with the first report. Excellent. And so I want to start digging into the report. You've gone through all of the operators around the world, as far as I can tell. So we're talking 54 operators around the world globally in 88 cities. You're talking 21 countries. And I would love to hear from your guys' perspective, what are the other top line figures that you you have come across and why are they interesting? Yeah, if you compare that to kick scooter sharing, sometimes it feels like underwhelming. However, this is like a slowly increasing development. So it's, it's faster pace. We can see the historic high number of mopeds in the cities and like the number of cities, as you said, like almost a hundred and sixty six thousand scooters. This is something which is unprecedented. What's really interesting from my perspective, it's not the overall growth in the market, which has also accelerating quite a bit, but it's also like the kind of markets we're looking at. In Germany, you have quite a bunch of these second tier, tier two cities where moped sharing is arriving and they're doing pretty well here. So this is, this is very interesting to follow. That's one of the findings. And on another level, 
If you're talking about shared mobility, it's always talking about Western markets. It's the US, it's Europe. And now we can see it's also true for kick scooter sharing and car sharing, for example, and bike sharing. But different markets are approached now. Um, we can see that all of a sudden in 2019, one third of the global fleet is in just one single city. It's Bangalore. Something is really happening there. And this is really interesting to talk about. Yeah, well, uh, by the time this episode comes out, I will have released the interview that I've done with Bounce Mobility. So Bounce has raised 92 million US and is expanding across India. And the stats that they had were crazy. Like I, I he was like 42% of all trips start and end at public transport stations. And they are now, even in the very, very early stages, they are 5% of the first last mile connections in Bangalore which is crazy in a city of 16 million people, you know? And so they're growing incredibly quickly. I think that they've really unlocked something. You've focused largely on electric mopeds versus petrol. And I just want you to talk through how you think through that in this, in the sort of in the shared um, mobility space and the trends that you're seeing there. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, like it's an electric phenomenon, what we're looking at. I mean, like if we're looking at Western Europe, for example, where quite some development in the market is happening and it's like also like the real cradle of uh, mobile sharing globally, this is entirely electric. And this is surprising since if you look at the markets, I mean, like from a UNO perspective, for example, as being an electric mobile company, I mean, like the market in Germany, but also in, in other European markets, it's a combustion market. Still scooters today are mostly combustion scooters. And this holds true in almost all countries in the world. So it's really interesting if you look at shared mobility in the field that Western Europe, but also the US, they're entirely electric. So they're future oriented. This is something happening, even though electric mopeds are often a little bit more expensive than the combustion scooters and so on, but like it's forward looking. So the companies introducing these options, they're already looking at the policy in place in the cities in stronger uh, regulations, which are coming up in some cities already in Europe, Amsterdam, for example, is banning petrol scooters and so on. So they're responding already. This is really, really interesting. The only exception there is the Indian market, but even the Indian market. And if you're talking to, to Bounce, but also to Vogo, you see that the development there is also going strongly towards electric mopeds. It takes a little bit longer, but the trend is really clear here. Yeah, what is interesting actually to add on the on the combustion side of mopeds is that actually mopeds are so much less efficient also when they're when they're combustion scooters than than other scooters are or than other vehicles in the whole category are. And while it might be more expensive in initial purchasing, so initial capital cost, it might play out on the long run because uh, I mean we all know an electric hub motor or like brushless motor is something that's a system that's almost no need for maintenance just from a motor perspective and that's something that is very very long lasting we've interviewed frank Rieg, who's the ceo of revel as well on the podcast and he was very adamant about like look we we only we only go electric because it's just so much easier for us on ongoing maintenance perspective and also as well for refueling because with refueling just going around we can literally go in and swap batteries in and out and actually that you know that we've now got to the point where the early versions which which were sort of scoots model had about you know maybe 25 30 miles of range maybe a little bit longer when they originally launched where he's like whereas now we can get i can get 60 miles out of my scooters and i'm getting i'm going to be getting 100 miles in the next generation so from an operational perspective you know we're getting over that hump of 
operations to be able to make these systems be able to work well. Certainly that was what Bharath was saying about India, which is that the infrastructure is just not quite there, but they're obviously very bullish on that space and being able to get there quickly. And there's a lot of pressure on them and support, I think, from, from government to be able to transition towards that. I wanted to talk a little bit about the dynamics of the market in terms of who you saw rising around the world. So you've got one stat that I found quite interesting from the report was that you have 56% of the entire global fleet is owned by five operators. So just to list out where they are, so you've got Vogo in India and Bounce in India, and both of them are, have raised about 100 million US in capital each, doing petrol scooters, but looking to shift towards electric quite quickly. You've got Ecultra, which is based in Spain, Italy, and Portugal, City Scoot, which is in France and Italy, and Coupe, which is also in Europe as well. And I'm curious whether or not you see a pull away by these large operators to become kind of market dominant in lots of different places. It strikes me, you know, we're comparing this to this kick scooter industry, for example, where you've got Lime, which has effectively gone and coveted the entire world, and Bird, which has coveted most, most of the large cities in the States, and that that model has, they've really gone for a land grab and how that hasn't really happened here in this industry with e-moped sharing. And what are the trends that you're seeing? What do you think this ends up being? A very fragmented, like, you're not going to have a big mega in the space. Yeah, that's a really good question. Actually, I think we could discuss quite a long time about that one. Um, it has so many facets about it. Maybe to start with, um, yes, you're right. I mean, like, it's a pretty dominated market by a couple of actors. But still, like, even if that is a top five, there are a couple of actors which are really close by, like Emmy in Germany. There are a couple of companies which are really, really close, like, to these leading five. What we can see on the other side of the spectrum, like the other end of the spectrum, is basically a couple of companies running, being run and operating only in one city. If we take another example from Germany, for example, there are quite a bunch of utility companies like selling mainly electricity, gas, whatever, water, and they're really widening their, their business models and their activities from a different spectrum. And they run in one city and they run successfully and the, the customers are happy. We can see that in quite a number of different cities and also markets, also in different countries. So like they're, they're both ends you can see and there's place and enough space actually for all of the, the sites. The main difference you're describing here, yes, to kick scooter sharing, we're not there. But this is something which is slowly developing, but I'd be really cautious to really say that like one year from now, two years from now, we can see a situation such as, for example, in the kick scooter sharing market. Yeah, maybe one thing to add why we're not as widespread there as well is probably the amount of capital that's gone into the space. Mm -hmm. I mean, kick scooters have a really low barrier to entry. And we actually really appreciate the work that kick scooter operators are doing because they really bring a lot of people away from a private car or from any other service into thinking about there is something such as shared mobility and I can use something else and I can change my mobility behavior. And that's really something that is needed. So we're quite thankful. However, at the same time, deploying a moped sharing scheme is at times a little bit more difficult and a little bit more capital intensive at first. However, we also believe plays out better in the long run. If we look at Coop here in Berlin, they started approximately three years ago. And if you choose the right hardware within the market, you're very fine to, to just stay there and still have proper hardware after three years. While now within the kick scooter companies, Yes, we get a push towards sustainability and we're really grateful for that. And we do see that 
based on calculations now, we talk about 18, 24 months of actual vehicle durability. And if that really happens, we think that's a, it's a great option. And it also adds to the overall cake of mobility as a service that in the end we are all fighting for and is a globally really big need. Different vehicles in that space solve different needs and different problems in that regard, as you also just mentioned actually about Bangalore in India. Yeah, completely. Your point around capital, I think, is really interesting because Vogo and, and Bounce obviously have raised 100 million each. I think that's there's certainly some of the larger in terms of the amount of capital that's being raised in the shared micromobility space. Curious about the others as well, because I haven't seen announcements from eCulture, City Scoot or Coop. Have they been venture backed or have they been more traditionally grown businesses? There are different systems actually out there. Yes, yeah, some are venture-backed, some are more privately held, and some even more bootstrapping than from the very beginning and really counting on, on revenues. Um, so it's really interesting. It's a diverse market at the moment. However, yeah, there, I mean, like, if you, if you're saying, yeah, Vogo and Bounce, this is like something special. I totally agree. This is next level. A hundred million each, roughly US dollar. This is quite, quite a new level in the mobile sharing game, let's say. Whereas in Europe here, we can see multiple operators, not only a few, which were raising like sums in between 10 to, let's say, 20, 25 million euros, actually. So CityScoot is among them. Ecultra is really, really successful here in Europe. You didn't hear like much of the, the funding rounds and so on. CityScoot was very active and communicating that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's the same, it's the same story. If you're looking at the absolute sum, the overall sum across these different players, which are a little bit more diverse here in Europe, then you came, you're coming to similar conclusions, actually. Maybe something to add to that. You also have a lot of debt financing in the market that finances just the vehicles because you have a lot, much longer durability and sustainability. So you don't need necessarily the hundreds of millions in order to deploy fleets all over the world, but can then also get into a different sort of business model on that end. This is going to be precisely my point. The conversation that I found with Frank at Revel was that I think they raised five, five million round. I mean, they've just raised a $27 million round um, to go and expand into 10 more cities. But they had five million and they expanded into New York and DC with a, what, 1,400 mopeds. And as he put it, I can be incredibly capital efficient because I'm effectively able to get the entire thing on finance. And once we knew, you know, if we were to put these vehicles out on the street, how much were they were being rented for, we knew that we could make that, you know, we could make that up. And actually, that was going to be my question. So this report at the moment doesn't go into economics. I mean, all these companies are privately held. Do you dig into that? Do you ask operators about that? Do you have any insight into how operators around the world are doing? Yeah, of course, we're digging into that because we want to be a good partner for all operators that we want to work with. So we really want to understand what's the cost structure of an operator, what's the pain points, what's really the needs. And yes, it's still a game that's not directly profitable just as you start. However, you see companies also in the market that have been there for longer and that have existed for a while without huge financing rounds, indicating a certain sustainability of the business model there is. And we have also spoken or we do know of companies and operators in the market that are actually profitable within the cities that they are in. Then becoming less profitable through growth, growth activity, investment and so on and so forth. However, it's a case that's pretty much possible to turn profitable. I like your mindset here, Oliver. I mean, like the question, the question is really valid. We see a lot of capital in kick scooter sharing and 
that other scooter sharing thing a little bit smaller in market size and so on. Yeah, it's mobile sharing. And the question is, is there another Silicon Valley styled hype cycle approaching? Like, is there more money flowing in because it's sustainable? We don't know it yet, but we're working what we can see from the operations perspective, it's a sustainable business model. It's, it's growing there and it's a game within the shared mobility schemes. So if the other players are successful, mobile sharing as well is pretty successful since, as I said in the beginning, it's like from getting, getting from A to B. It's like about having the choice about not having and owning a private car. And if you have that option, all of these systems, they benefit quite a lot. From an operational perspective, we, we talk, we we're talking about CAPEX and OPEX in the beginning a bit, like the capital you need to invest in the beginning and then the operational costs. There are quite a, quite a bunch of interesting facts in the mobile sharing field. If you look, for example, at Taiwan, another Asian market, which is really strongly developing in the mobile sharing field, it's pretty interesting. You have, for example, the player Google, which is also a mobile company manufacturer, and they have their battery changing stations, a thousand, more than a thousand of them in the entire country. And the users can swap the batteries. And this is also pretty interesting for, for the business model itself. So what we can see is quite, quite promising developments that is swapping over also to, to different markets, to Europe. It's approaching, I'd say, Maybe we see it in 2020, having like these battery swapping stations for users, user-based swapping also in Europe. And all this is really, really interesting. So I'd be curious to follow that. Yeah, I really like the GoGro model. So GoGro, for, for the audience who don't, who don't know, GoGro was founded 2012, 2013. I mean, I can't remember exactly, but it was founded by the XC of uh, HTC, the original phone manufacturer. And he got into uh, electric moped, but they sold the scooter they sold the scooter, but not the battery. And so you could rent the battery on like a subscription. I don't know if you remember the Better Place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Through the mid 2000s, there was a the big kind of, oh, well, the battery is the, the problem. That's why people aren't buying electric cars. So they tried to manufacture cars that they wouldn't have. You'd buy the battery on subscription. And it was a terrible failure. They'd burned through a billion dollars. So it was very exciting to see that GoGro had kind of nailed that. And then, of course, you go and leverage your business model from that, where you've already got, you know, you're sold a fleet of these things and people go and swap the batteries in and out to then going to a shared model. I mean, I can see the, it going the other way as well, which is we go from a shared model to something like that, where you've got battery swapping stations and all of a sudden people can buy a relatively cheap vehicle and go around and easily have access to the batteries that they need so that you can always have the range that you need and you can kind of solve all of those things. They're quite complementary business models in that regard. So I want to understand, I really like that you broke down in the report that there's sort of three key KPIs, three key variables that will drive a business. First one of that is fleet utilization. So how many trips a day is the vehicle? doing usage duration so how long those trips are and then the fleet availability so how much of the fleet is available at a given time and not in for servicing and all that sort of thing the fleet utilization metrics that i've seen i mean butter from from balance yesterday was talking to me about it he said look we're getting seven to eight trips a day sometimes more in, in, in really popular areas of the city frank couldn't tell me how much river was doing but he implied that it was a lot and he is in new york and he's the only one who's there and you know it's like in a transport desert so there's obviously quite a high level of utilization i'm really curious how you see this distribution working especially when you get into are there any cities that are starting to reach saturation maybe one aspect of course like we know that in in berlin for instance on on very hot summer days there's quite a or there's not a saturation necessarily of scooters but we actually have a shortage of scooters in that regard apart from that i think we're 
kind of replacing different trips than what a kick scooter does in the market. So we're replacing longer trips that you would otherwise not necessarily have done by bicycle or you would not necessarily have walked, but we're replacing more car trips or longer public transport trips where it's cumbersome to go around because you need to, I don't know, switch trains or trams like two or three times or something like that. And especially coming from the, from the car use case here again, we see it now already in, in Europe that more and more people drop their private car ownership. I don't know how it is with you, at least in the big cities. I assume the same. And the more and more people drop their private vehicles actually means that we're gaining in rides and thereby in utilization. So we do not really see a saturation here, but uh, from our perspective, rather a slow growth that keeps on going even in the cities where yeah, mopeds have been deployed and sharing schemes have been deployed for a while. I don't know what you think about it. Yeah, I mean, like that's one of the most important KPIs, if not the most important. Interestingly, like, first of all, like one year ago, we were at values of three to five. And this is developing very well. This is something like to start with. Then secondly, I think one of the major issues here is not getting that value higher and higher. It's mainly about vehicle availability. So many of the operators we talk to, they're complaining, don't, don't come with that utilization rate, man. It's, it's all about the vehicle availability. So the quality of some scooters in the market, especially the early stage scooters, and it's a young market, has been not as prime as operators want to want to have it. I mean, like then they have availability rates for the vehicle of 50, maybe 60%, only every second vehicle available. That's that's outstandingly not so nice, actually, yeah, to be honest. Um, and then if, you, if you're reaching values which are closer to 80% um, fleet availability, this is something where we're talking. And then you can also reach with the high demand Felix was just describing in the top runner cities such as Barcelona, Madrid, also Berlin, Paris, I'm not so much into the KPIs of Bangalore itself, but I think you, you talk to them and it's pretty, pretty outstanding as well. And then you, you might reach in the best month actually two digit values. So then we're at like 10 plus rentals per day per scooter. And then in those cities, so, so if we look at it, I mean, the part that I pulled out um, specifically for Europe, just because we'll talk about that in particular. So Madrid and Paris both have about 6,000 scooters, 6,300 scooters or so each. How does that work? So is there, are they regulated um, in most of the European cities about the number of vehicles they're able to put out? Are they a lot more free floating in terms of their cap? No, that's not so much the case. So it's definitely different to the kick scooter market. It's a little bit more liberal in a way. It doesn't cause so much unrest and it's pretty, pretty accepted actually in the cities. What we can see with like growing experience in the field that also cities, but also starting from the bike sharing boom a couple of months and years back, also here in Europe, for example, but also from the kick scooter sharing boom, that they're starting to regulate all shared mobility markets in a bit. And what we can see in some cities, but I'm not calling this a trend, actually, that we can see tenders. Um, then maybe only one or two operators are allowed with a certain number of vehicles in the city. But this is not so much applying, actually, for the mobile sharing field until now. Let's see how this is developing. Yeah, so so just to clarify, so so there aren't any cities in in Europe, for example, that have a cap on them in terms of the their expansion capabilities. It is happening in a few cities now, actually. For instance, I do know that in some cities in Spain now they say we will we will cap them as of a certain point. So everything that's deployed until I don't know a certain month in a certain year is okay, and afterwards, please do not deploy any more. 
Then we do see, for instance, in the city of Lyon in France, a certain annual fee that, however, should also not really stop anyone in that regard too much. And then we do see that in, for instance, a city like Amsterdam, there's a tender actually happening for only two companies. And that's what Rico already mentioned for only a certain amount of mopeds. What is interesting and I think why they are more accepted is um, it's been a vehicle type that's been around. So it's not something new, like uh, comparing it again with the kick scooters, all of a sudden new kick scooters start popping up. And while a lot of people use them also Let's face it, a lot of it is being vandalized and there is a lot of people that just throw them over for whatever reason and people fall and so on and so forth and they're on the sidewalks. And that's not so much the case for mopeds because we just have less vandalism. I think people have more respect for those vehicles and those vehicles have been around so they're more used to it. Yeah, yeah, completely. Enrico, do you have anything else to add there? I mean, like, yeah, we're following it closely. I mean, like, the tender situation is very interesting, but yeah. Basically, what we'd be curious to talk about is actually the situation in one of the developing markets in that field, which is North America. I mean, like, micromobility is based in North America, and the US has been developing pretty strongly in the past year. And then, there we can see a lot of tenders. Like, Washington DC had a tender, and like, it's, it's developing quite a bit. You can see all the tenders in the San Francisco area and so on. That's how Revel ended up in DC. The reason that I'm just asking about Europe is because the way that Revel deployed, they have only 400 scooters. When they deployed in New York, they only had a thousand scooters and there was sort of a cap to all of this. And so even though they might be doing a huge number of trips a day, they're, they're restricted on their ability to expand. I think about it from a perspective of regulators around the world who are coming to this as a, you know, you get to somewhere like India. <laughs> I asked the question of Bharat and Bharat was like, oh no, no, no. You know, they're, they're coming to us and asking us effectively like go wild if you get if you've got the scooters and they're getting used like we want you to, to, to deploy them because i think that there's it's it's just different ways of how these have been regulated i think the u.s has really adopted a a kind of a kick scooter style approach to this when when they've come to regulate it and thinking mopeds are like kick scooters so we'll regulate them like that versus other places around the world which are coming to this with as you say the moped has been around for a little bit longer and it's a bit more of an accepted form factor and we don't really mind and and, and things cool well look i um i'm aware we're kind of running up against time so i just wanted to dig in for you guys and just say you know you've obviously been doing this for a couple of years what are the trends that you're seeing already i mean obviously we're seeing 100 growth 164 percent growth last year and the number of scooters that are going out but what do you if, if we were to say two years from now or three years from now what are the things that you think are going to be really interesting um, and that you're really paying attention to there's a lot of stuff i mean like first of all obviously the growth will continue i mean like this is something which has been starting now we're in the early stages it has been accelerating throughout these years and uh, if you ask me i think that will continue but also the growth will uh, be more diversified like also in terms of markets i mean like north america this is something we can see at the moment um i think there's a great potential in southeast asia in oceania so like australia new zealand i heard you're based in new zealand so like this is something but then the south american market also is pretty interesting actually not in the report featured but they are also first operators in brazil for example and that's pretty interesting this is something like one of the trends i can see here another trend I think that we're seeing is that everybody who's like in the mobility service sphere now, whatever they may be doing at the moment, may they be moped sharing operators, may they be kick scooter sharing operators, may they be bicycle operators, car sharing operators are 
going to go multimodal because I mean, that's the overall vision of what we have in mobility as a service. And we see it now actually some, an interesting side note here is that City Scoot, um, the Paris or the first Paris operator or first Paris mobile sharing operator is now been integrated into the Uber app. So we do see that this is something that's moving and we do see increased interest from all sorts of operators in order to diversify their modalities in terms of how we can be moving around. Isn't Coop also integrated into Jelby in Berlin? It's actually their competitor, Emmy. But yes, this is a very good example. I mean, like it's it, Yelby for, for the listeners who don't know it. It's a mobility as a service software app. So it's the basis you, you're registering once and then you can use a really big variety of vehicles in the city and services in the city. That's pretty interesting. So mobile sharing is part of it. And it's built by the, yeah, and it's built by the Berlin Metro, right? Like the, the metros, it's been built by, it's BVA, I think, the Berlin... It's, it's BVG, BVG. Uh, Berliner Verkehrsgesellschaft, and they're basically the public transportation authority here in the city, the operator, not the authority. And they're the baseline for that. And this is what I was mentioning in the beginning. I'm like, public transportation is the backbone of clean transportation in the cities. There are private bikes, which add to it. But then the very end, to really get rid of the of the private car, there's a lot of stuff going on in the field of vehicle sharing. It might be moped sharing, kick scooter sharing, but also ride sharing itself. So the Ubers, the cabifies of this world, there are a lot of smaller operators here, specifically in Germany, but also in different markets. All of this integration, talking about a systemic approach, this is a real deal. This is the number one trend. Yeah, cool. The final question that I have is one point that came up in the conversation yesterday with the team at Bounce was... They mentioned that they were doing a free-floating system, whereas Vogo was more of a docked-based system. And I'm curious about the breakdown between those, because obviously this, the trend that I can see is that we shift more and more towards dockless. Do you do you have a breakdown of where that is at the moment and what the trend is around that? Yeah, this is really easy. Moped sharing is basically free-floating, so dockless. It's not a stationary system, has always been like this from the very beginning. It's, it's very clear. It's, it's a little different to bike sharing, for example, which developed from a different perspective. So yeah, moped sharing is electric, is free floating and has been ever, ever since. Well, look, thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate your time. For folks that want to go and check out the, the report, where can they go and get a copy of it? So we can go on share.unimotors.com, which is where anyone can download the report free of charge. Marvelous. And that's uh, UNU Motors. I'll link to it in the show notes for folks who are interested. And if they want to track down you guys, are you guys on Twitter? I'm personally not on Twitter. Wow, you found us. Um, <laughs> but we're on LinkedIn. You can contact us via the company itself. Uh, we're really happy to start a couple of discussions. It's an interesting market. And thanks, Oliver, also for the invitation. Oh, not at all. Yeah, look, we're, we're really, really excited to, to have you on and, and talk through this. We've been doing our own scan of the space as well in the kind of in the wider micromobility space called the Landscape Report. And you guys have really nailed this very particular niche of the, of the e-moped sharing. And I just, uh, I, I really commend you and thank you because it is, it's an incredibly exciting area and I'm learning lots as I go along. And, and I think it's been one of these blind spots for a lot of people who have been following along in the space to see this, especially if you live in North America, because they just really hasn't been anything in this and well people are catching on so you guys were a couple of years ahead in that regard thanks very much and uh look forward to talking to you guys more soon have a good time oliver thanks cheers